1: Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, and I am joined as always by...
0: Yo, what's up? are at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight we, we, are, we are going to talk about one of the
1: foundational elements hmm. of black film. According to everybody... Yeah. According to everybody. Once they found it. Once they found it, 1964 is nothing but a man. But before that, we do have
0: letters. a few things
1: to share. Uh,
0: we've got letters. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. We always, thank you always. Always that uh, give us your insightful feedback via Facebook, Twitter, as well as those who have. Um, been so kind to go on to itunes and rank and rate us we have uh three five star reviews oh new five star reviews thank you up on itunes um we have two thumbs up five star review from scribes life thank you scribes life if you're looking for a film related podcast to review black films this is for you both hosts are intelligent and know their films no need to wait for other podcasts to review the three or four black films that gain a national release every year the michelle mission is all you need thank you fellas much needed thank
1: you thank you appreciate that
0: most definitely uh we got a five star review from a michelle missionary
1: very nice it is
0: gen J B.
1: B. Thank you, Gen X, Len, JB.
0: Len and Vince's weekly commentary on African-American cinema is high-quality critique with a dash of sincerity, plenty of honesty, and a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. I like that. That was nice. That was nice. And I, I like the embracing of the Michaud missionary. Uh, absolutely, because we're in this together. We're, we are all on this we ride. We are in this together. And uh, Bougie Square Society gave us a five star review. This is a great podcast. I highly recommend it to everyone. All right, so that was very. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. We also got some feedback on Twitter. Um, Gail Willis, who is (laughs) a fan of the Black Triples, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, what's up, Gail of uh, the Michelle Mission? I think she may have been drunk tweeting Uh -uh. on watch uh, out now on uh saint patrick's day all right (laughs) because there's a series of tweets (laughs) at michelle mission i'll try and do this in her voice okay do that saint patrick's day classic leprechaun in the hood leprechaun in the hood i cannot be the only one who watches it every year i don't watch it every year but i'm a fan of, I've, of I, Leprechaun I, in the Hood. I've actually never seen Leprechaun in the Hood. Le- have you seen any of the Leprechaun movies? I've never movies? seen... I think I may have seen the, le- the first one a long time
1: ago. You know what, though? If we had two hours instead of the one hour that we did on Get Out, I would have folded Leprechaun in the Hood and Leprechaun in, in general into our conversation That's
0: right, because- about black
1: people in horror movies.
0: Like what would have been the, the linchpin? What would
1: have been? The, well, the, I, think, I, I think I think that that sort of leprechaun in the hood because it started out just as as, as a series and then it kind of yeah. shifted into leprechaun in the hood. I think that that is proof of of my read that sort of a racialized look at those slasher movies, those kind of late 80s, early 90s movies where. The audience Begins to feel disdain for the the victims in mm. these films mm-hmm. because they do stupid stuff, mm-hmm. and then we start to see the quote unquote monster as a protagonist. So you yeah. know we, we talk and we talked about a little bit where you start. You know you had those breakout monsters where you know you had Jason and and Freddy Krueger and all, and Leprechaun was just sort of the logical endpoint. Okay, and then you kind of bring race into it, and because it's Leprechaun in the Hood. So
0: Now, was he in the hood for just the one film, or did he return I think to there the were hood? two.
1: I think there were two Leprechaun in the hood movies. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And again, it's just one of those weird kind of 90s curios where it's like, huh, like you had to be there. Or if you're Gail, you revisit it every year on St. Patrick's every Day. Every year
0: on St. Patrick's Day. She went on to say uh, at Michelle Mission, scratch that previous post. <laughs> Maybe too many triggers for Vince. Do one on the other Saint Patrick's Day classic, Leprechaun: Back to the Hood. Well, there you go. There you
1: go. I was about to say I don't think there are any. I don't think there are any of my triggers in the Leprechaun movies because he's a leprechaun. Like that's the whole hook. Like it's no ghosts. It's no kids.
0: Yeah, that's not. Yeah, you know, it's not the devil. So you should be good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only kind of non thing tr- non triggery thing that scares me, appropriately enough, because they just released the uh teaser today, is it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't mess with it. Now is is that because of clowns or just it itself? No, because it is actually scary as blankety blankety blank. Really? Like the like I remember the first the first joint, like watching it in a room with like five twenty something year old dudes and everybody was just kind of quiet and scared. It's crazy because like Pennywise in the sewer? Yeah. Well yeah. Come I guess on that now. that was it was a come on. It was definitely made me uncomfortable. Come on. Like everyone jokes about, oh, we're scared of clowns. Like uh Yeah, it, it was really out of order. Plus that was Tim Curry, man. Plus it was Tim Curry, who's just generally a little creepy.
0: A little creepy. So so the teaser, I haven't seen the teaser. Is it, um, does it look like it's good? It looks like,
1: I mean, it does look like it's good. I ain't messing with it, but it looks like it's good. <laughs> I mean, I ain't, I, ain't messing, I, ain't messing, I ain't messing with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 life's too short. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not at all. I look like watching some It. My old ass sitting on the sofa looking through my fingers at, yeah, <coughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it looks
0: it looks good. Stephen King seems to be pleased. Yeah, well, what is he going to say? I, I heard that about, you know, he was saying, like, you know, it's going to be like the the truth. Like, what's he going to say? He didn't like The Shining. He didn't like at, Kubrick's did, The Shining. But he didn't say that until after the film came out. Right, but I'm just saying. So you know. before the, he's not going to bash anything before the right, film. Right, right, I see he's what you're make saying. His, he's like, make we have loop. to
1: wait five years from now. Yeah. yeah then you're
0: going to see how he really feels. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail went on to say. Gail went on to say. All right. So, At the show mission. Sorry if I've been tweeting you guys too much tonight. I think I might be a little tipsy. Oh, that's all right.
1: <laughs> so, Better you tweet than
0: you drive. Amen. And it was fun. It was fun uh taking that, that that stroll with you. Yeah. Um, Gail. So we appreciate it. Uh Ghost Dog at 410 Laid Back hit all us right. up. Good movie. We need to watch Ghost Dog. I did, I've did. i seen Ghost Dog. You
1: need to watch Ghost Dog. It's, it's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. Right. It's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. That's true. But it is good. It's good though. It's written. It's got some kind of interesting things going on. In it's it. got some interesting themes. too. Right. We actually should have done it right after um, The Last Dragon. Because. because it's sort of those same kind of themes of cultural appropriation and mm. you know what does it actually mean. Like that's that would actually be a really good double feature. The Last Dragon and Ghost Dog.
0: Ghost Dog at 410 Laid Back. You know I'm poking at you. Yeah, I know. I'm poking the and bear. That's, I'm keeping it moving. <laughs> uh, says, at Michelle Mission, um, he's talking about in, in regards to our review of Bingo Long's Traveling All-Stars and Motorcade, And
1: Motorcade. Uh, Motor Kings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Motor Kings.
0: Uh, he says that was a great movie. So happy a studio backed this movie and the vastly talented cast. After all, it was the 70s.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 You know. I've talked about this before. Big fan of the Motown movies.
0: Very true. And uh, the mayor Tribble uh, said... That, What's up, uh, Dan Dinkins? Said he had to pull over because he was feeling a little woozy uh, from laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's good. I was about to say, hopefully that's good. <laughs> that speaks well. That speaks well. So, um, just a little peek behind the curtains, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into our review of Nothing But a Man. Um we are, Vince, will soon be trekking off. I mean, now I have to know that. We, it's going to be scheduled. Like, you're everything's going to be scheduled. But you're going to be trekking off to Europe.
1: Yes. Yes. I've never been. My cousin put together a trip.
0: That's so nice. So, is it, is it going to be a group or just you, your family?
1: It's just my family, my cousin, and a friend of hers.
0: Now, where in Europe are you going? We
1: are going to
0: Paris, mm-hmm.
1: London, and Rome.
0: Paris, London, and Rome. Right. Okay.
1: Like it's one of those tour deals you do like three days and. Okay. So,
0: do you already have it marked to where you're going at each place?
1: Yes. You, you know the way it works is like there's one day that's scheduled, there's one day that's free, mm-hmm. and then you know it's like that day that you kind of travel in right. between travel day. Right. Yeah. So okay. all
0: right, so I'm putting it out there to our Michelle missionaries out there. Okay, hit us up at. Vince in Europe hashtag at Vince in Europe or just tweet us. Right, right. And offer some recommendations to Vince. That's actually a really good idea. And where his family for what they can do on their free days in Paris and Rome Rome
1: and London. And London. But more importantly because you know my that's nice. That's very nice Lynn. I'm glad you thought about my family. Vince is looking for record stores. Okay. Comic shops, mm-hmm. bookstores.
0: What about some good wine? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not really that guy. Okay. I mean, so yeah. you're looking for good record shops, comic book shops, and bookstores right, right, right. in Paris, Rome, and London. Would not turn down a sneaker boutique.
1: Oh, Like, you know, a little sneaker shop.
0: Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. So hit us up, all you people out there uh, who I know you know, the, the beautiful thing about our audience is that they are not only well-read and um, scholars of movies on, on of their own
1: Bon Vivants.
0: They One are and Bon and Vivants. One they are well-traveled.
1: I've said this for over a year now. I've always wanted to be involved with a project that I'd actually want to hang out with the people. Yeah. That like, listen and you know like, I won't name people, but like, say so some people that you see that you know. Like, you can feel it come off of them that mm-hmm. they hate their audience.
0: Yeah. Like, like this true.
1: is a job, and they pay me a lot to be here, but I would never hang out with these people. Yeah. And I have to say that, you know, it has been our our, our experience over mm-hmm. the past year plus that we – is really cool people.
0: Most certainly. So, (laughs) like, it's
1: really cool people.
0: So let us know. Let us know what, um, where Vince can go in Paris, London, and Rome for good comics, records, books, and sneakers. Yes,
1: and just you know, something I need to see. Oh yeah, you
0: know, yeah. Do that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into
1: 1964.
0: 1964. Nothing but a man. This is Brother Anderson.
1: He's a nice young
0: man. When I met you the other day, I had the feeling that you're different. Baby, you must be crazy. My wife and I don't want you hanging around our daughter. Ain't too often I get a chance to meet a girl like you. You should be quitting the railroad, huh, man? You must be plumb out of your mind. You got to watch yourself pretty close. If you fellas stuck together instead of letting them walk all over you, they might not try it. They've been doing it all my life. Well, maybe it's time you stopped letting them. You sound like a trouble man. Now, what's all this talk about sticking together? want to keep a job for it? Just how do you intend to support your family, huh? How'd you like to have a baby, Duff? Now, if you want to work like a real nigga, you can always go out and chop cotton. They've done that too long in my family.
1: You're not a man because of a job, Duff. I could work even after the baby comes.
0: You ain't going to no white home. am damn it, you must think you're white. How come you don't hate their guts?
1: I guess I'm not afraid of them. I can't stand to see you like that. I love you. Man 1964 Directed and co-written By Michael Romer Follows the life of um, Worker Duff Anderson As he settles down Meets a woman Settles into his life and that is gener- I mean that is really the plot and the complications come from the fact that he is a black man in nineteen sixty four and this is set in the deep south in a small town. In s- Alabama. In Alabama. So it really is about the challenges that he faces as he tries to be nothing but a man. Uh stars Ivan Dixon, Abby Lincoln, and it is rounded out by a great cast, including a turn. Turned by Yafet Koto, mm-hmm. Julius Lester, a very young, so young that I didn't even recognize her, Gloria Foster. Really? That is Gloria Foster playing... Playing Lynn? Playing, playing, um, Duff's father's lady.
0: Yeah, Lynn. No, Lynn, yes. Name. Yes. I, she looked familiar, and I yeah. did not Okay, so...
1: Oh, wow. So, you know, very well regarded always when you see a list of black films, you should see nothing but a man is always on there. Uh, Lynn, this is your choice.
0: Yeah, this was my choice. I had heard um, good things about this film um, over the... Over, I guess maybe over the, like, the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would go in and out of my memory. It's like, there was a movie somebody was talking about it I need to be watching. And I would... Invariably, I would remember that Ivan Dixon was um, had something to do with it. Right. And then, when I would remember to kind of bring this up to somebody to see if it sparked something in their head, they wouldn't remember nothing but a man. They would remember the spook that sat, sat by the door. Sat by the door because that was directed by Ivan Dixon. Right. So that's the one that they would always remember. It's like, right. oh, it's Ivan right. Dixon. It must be that movie. That's the movie that everybody talks about. And um, and eventually I would uh, sit down and see the spook that sat by the door. We'll deal with that when we do a review of that film. Yes. Um, but I, I, I can't remember, I don't remember exactly how Nothing But a Man was um, re-revealed to me. And of course, you know, weeks.
1: Ivan Dixon, by, you know, sort famously of as, famously,
0: as Sergeant Kinchlow, a.k.a. On. Kinch on Hogan's Heroes. Yes. From uh, 1964 before, no, from 1965 to 1970. Yeah, yeah. So this movie was actually before Hogan's Heroes.
1: Comedy about a Nazi prison camp. Yeah. I just always like to say that. <laughs> okay, there was a comedy about a Nazi prison camp.
0: But go ahead. Hogan's Heroes is the all-time favorite TV show of one of my best friends. Really? She owns every episode of Hogan's Heroes in on videotape, and then bought the dvds and watches them probably at least once a year it's a good show it's a strange show very strange like when you watch
1: it now it's just off-putting but a little bit but i mean i'm sorry go ahead i didn't want to go ahead and get that uh, clear that up that this is that ivan dixon most definitely
0: Mm -hmm. um so, I, like I said, I don't remember exactly how it was re revealed to me in recent in recent times, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that it was. So i I put it on our calendar. Like, boom, this is a movie that I want to see. Right. And then when it came up, I was like, Yes, that's a movie I want to see. Yes. So I went and saw it, and um, and I had heard the stories about how this movie had come out in the '60s. They had spent basically most of their budget on doing the film, so much so that they didn't have hardly any film any money to promote it right so therefore it didn't get a wide release and thus it was a film that was not um, well seen
1: no by right.
0: blacks or whites or by anybody right right um, and it was only in within the last maybe 10 or 20 years right that has been rediscovered and reappreciated for being a seminal Afri- piece of African American work, a piece of, piece of film, famously,
1: work. when it did come out initially, its its most famous fan was of course Malcolm X.
0: See, I did not know that. Mal-
1: is apparently this was Malcolm X's famous uh, favorite film.
0: Really? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah, it's not hard to it's it's not hard to see why once you mm-hmm. see this film, because um, this film, which, like you say it is a very it's there's nothing tricky about the plot right it's about the it, it literally starts at the beginning of this man's journey to um uh dealing with life um really as a black man right in these times I mean it it does ostensibly go into his relationship with his with his girlfriend who becomes his wife but it really everything is... Basically, the point of view is him. He's our window into this world. Yes, um, and he's the one who you are you are asked to have the uh, regard for his feelings and his and his dealing with the trials and tribulations of what they're going of what they're going through. Um, yet, so so the movie doesn't try to trick you and think into being more than what it is, right? But it in in doing what it is doing, it is so assured of what it is that that confidence just breathes off of the screen. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you are that much more um, um, enveloped by the movie, by the atmosphere, by the acting, by the simple story, because it's a story that you can appreciate and you can understand right, um, for his forthrightness, and it just sucks you in,
1: yeah, and yeah, oh yeah.
0: I mean, you know, I like this movie, but I hated this movie because this movie, this movie was raw man it it really hit home, yeah, hard man, yeah, just from i mean from the and and it's it's a movie that like I can see Malcolm X. I can see almost any black man loving this movie because it's the story of a black man, but it's the story of a black man from every aspect. It's it's his brotherhood with the with yeah, the guys that he's working that. with because he works he's, he's he's a railroad worker in the beginning. Right, right, initially. Uh, and and that begin the beginning of the movie, how it sets it up with the sights and sounds of mm-hmm. just working on the railroad. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not the, the cartoonish working on the railroad that you see in a lot of films, you know, everybody singing the slate, They're singing the songs all in rhythm as they pounding down it's the you,
1: you, de you, de
0: Yeah, de yeah de you de know, it ain't de John de Henry or nothing like right, that. Right, right. Right, right. But it, it's just a group of men hard at work. Yes, you know they don't seem like they are uh, uh, um, uh, being put upon. They're just doing their job. Yeah, you know, doing what at that time in nineteen in, in mid sixties nineteen eighty mid sixties America was a relatively good paying job. Yeah, you yeah. Know, according they were happy to, to, according to the film, job. they said it was yeah you know, the best. They could get exactly, which was you know, and you know, sign of the times. Right. Yo, man, this is a good eighty dollars right. a week because they're working on the
1: railroad, but they're they're basically traveling exactly like they work on a section of the railroad and then they take them to another part Mm -hmm. and work so it's not like it's it's a steady job but it's not a stationary job exactly
0: so they're always on the road right and they're always going from town to town and and because of that and because you know in in the in the black community you know this is such a highly regarded job but it's also a job that people know they know the type of guys that work on it they know the
1: type of guys that work on it that's right
0: they, they tend to be a little bit transient, and and who knows when they come into your town, they're just looking to like you know yeah. unload a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the girl that he falls for, Josie, the preacher's daughter, right, play, play, played by Abby Lincoln, played by by jazz singer Abby, yes, Abby Lincoln. I knew I recognized her face, mm-hmm. but I didn't really put it together until I looked back, looking right. looking into. The and, film. and
1: this is the second time we've had a film with Abby Lincoln in it.
0: What, what, what she I'm, plays Bleak Gilliam's mother. Really?
1: That's her? She plays Bleak Gilliam's mother. R- she's wearing the same head wrap at one point. Because wow. <laughs> that's the other thing, you know, like it's it's that weird black don't crack where it's like I think she's looked like she was forty years old mm-hmm. since she was nineteen. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, But then she just stayed looking 40 years old. So she looked the same in 1964 as she looked in 1991 in Mo Better Blues.
0: Wow. Yeah wow how about that i didn't I, I didn't pick up on that i i just i you know the wig was a little dis, dis, disconcerting <laughs> it, for me in this film it's a tough wig it's a tough wig <laughs> that's girl. a tough wig Is it, yeah they, they, didn't, they didn't use any of the budget on the wig no. um you know they would they should have just gone with her afro because she has a natural i, vintage, I know and, and which would have looked adorable right fantastic. right fantastic but you know i understood it um but uh so he falls for the preacher's preacher's um daughter mm-hmm. and from the from the from the beginning of the film you can tell that you know he's one with his brothers on the railroad right but he's maybe of a higher mindset of a higher of a higher dare i say intellect he's more woke right well then and
1: there's no future in this railroad life
0: and he understands and that. he
1: understands that So he he understands know, he's that. sort of thinking about
0: yeah especially when you've learned because of how of his upbringing right. and his father not really being there right. and losing his mom his mom was dead and then he has a and he has a um, uh, Rekindling with his father, so so like I was saying, like there's there's so many touchstones for a black man in 1964. The brotherhood with the guys on the railroad, the meeting, the the the, the relationship with Josie. It's yeah. a it's a very true and authentic it, relationship. It is. It is. Um, you know, I have a feeling that there it may have been for this film a little bit more one sided because like I say, everything is more from his point of view, right? Um, but outside of that, there is an authenticity to that relationship. He easily yeah. could; they easily could have played it a lot more broadly than they did. Yeah, and yeah. They, and they and it's very it's a very nuanced performance. You have his relationship with the preacher Josie's father, yeah, and and how the father, the, the preacher, who has made a name for himself at in this small Alabama town. But he's done so at the at the forsaking of yeah. his of his manhood. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, it's just like Ivan. You know, Duff uh, tells him, "It's like, man, you you've been stooping so long. Yeah, you're know, you just half a man. You don't even know how to stand up." Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's very and 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 when he says that to his at that point father-in-law, it's a cutting it's cutting words but i think it cuts m- even more because it's he says it matter of factly right it's not it's he's not trying to he's not screaming at him
1: and yet he's, the irony of that scene is that he's there his father-in-law has to get him a job though yeah because he's so busy being a quote-unquote man mhm that but he man. has backed himself into this
0: corner Right, that none of the white people who own everything will hire him yeah it it yeah, it is um, there's another side of the black brotherhood that you see once um he gets married, which means that he can no longer work on a railroad because of by the nature of what that job is, right. So he has to get a job in the city, he gets a job on on the mill on at the sawmill um and where there are a bunch of brothers again he's trying who he's trying to kind of see if he can't grow some type of. Relationship or brotherhood right. there, yeah. But these are different brothers. These are different brothers who, 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 because of where they're at in Alabama, got this low-paying job, right? And families at home, yes, they have to be mindful of their steps, right? Mindful of their words, mindful of how they, um, uh, 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 deal and interact and communicate with. The white man and their white bosses. That's right. Um, and that's a reality that Duff hasn't faced. Right. And when he, he has- faces this, he's like, "What? Get the hell out of it!" You know. Um. But he's he's, he's not real big demonstrative of it. Uh, 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 he doesn't like like um all of a sudden like start rallying and put up you know like. Like, yo, we need to start a union, and all this right. He just makes a matter of fact, he's just a regular dude, just a regular he just dude. won't be a regular dude check checking it out, and he's just like, you know, hey, you know, like you know it's kind of crazy, you know, we don't have to take but so much it, which at the end of the day of all he's saying, he's not saying like you know, we need to rally up and like you know, like we don't you don't we don't need to do like he pride is not in a civil like.
1: rights leader, he is not a revolutionary, no, he just wants the dignity that he thinks should be afforded him exactly
0: as and, and an adult it, man. And that's what it is. Because that's all truly this film he's doing. He's, he's looking for dignity. Right. Uh, ultimately to discover the dignity within himself. Right. Um, which is what his wife was telling him all along. Yes. Which, you know, it, it's funny. It, th- this made me think
1: about westerns. Quite honestly okay. And, okay. and sort of that, that that sort of you know almost film 101 understanding of westerns mm-hmm. where westerns, if you look at them a lot of times, it's it's about sort of uh, sort of the frontier mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. versus domesticity right where it's always a case where you know you have the lone cowboy and you have this and he represents the frontier and, and the unknown and then you have a woman who represents the home and there's always like the real the real struggle in a lot of westerns is whether or not this man is going to give up the frontier Mm -hmm. and settle down and i think nothing but a man kind of deals with that but then you put race on top of that issue so that you have this character duff And he you know, when it begins, he is very much on the frontier like he is very like you said, he has this band of brothers Yeah, and they travel from town to town Mm -hmm. and they wander and he has gotten to a point in his life uh, specifically after he he meets with his father, because that's when he proposes after he goes to see his father. His father is living in this room with this woman and has nothing to show for his life. And he wants to just settle down. But sort of what's so insidious about the kind of structural racism that these men had to deal with in 1964 and maybe 2017 is that you are not afforded the same opportunities and the same sort of level of dignity Mm -hmm. when you're black so that. You know, and I almost want to do like like we'll have you know I said we I never did a um spoiler a, a spoiler alert before uh get out, but I almost want to tell people like if you haven't seen this, you should go see it yeah. and then listen to the rest of this because what I thought was remarkable about this film is that there's no big racial explosion right, like it's in the air. Mm-hmm. but it's like you know another film you know his wife would have gotten raped someone would have gotten lynched yeah. it, you know yeah. a cross
0: would have gotten and there's always hints of it because it's of, in the air because of who she is right. the preacher's daughter and, walking and, around here would have and booty. that is
1: certainly part of the language yeah. of this community but I think what makes it even and you know like you said even raw raw-er
0: is that these men like that's Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplassier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games listen to culture kings and subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast and find out the best way to eat a taco no oh. what's the best way to eat a taco that's with your hands
1: with your hands also with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down it's like a layer it's the layer right that's so it. that the lettuce doesn't fall off
0: can't have falling lettuce
1: not what these men deal with like like you almost want to use a terminology like microaggressions Mm -hmm. like there's just this this relentless dehumanizing and emasculating that goes on they refer to boy and nigger and jack and and all of these sort of demeaning terms and and you're not allowed to sort of you you know you you have to smile and you have to grin or or there's just all of this pushback And again, it's structural. So, you know, he gets fired from a job, but then he can't get another job Mm -hmm. because the word has gone out about him. Or the type of jobs he can get are the type of jobs that, you know, he feels he he can't maintain his dignity. Either there's, you know, they want him to dress up like a butler or or they want him to, to pick cotton. Right. And to me, that's what makes this film so powerful. Yeah, Because it isn't, you know, somebody got lynched. You know, like I said, it's something really dramatic. But it just shows how this day-to-day life and this choice of domesticity, like, I'm going to get married. Like, I'm going to leave the road and I'm going to get married. I'm going to, you know, become a good man, if you will. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that pushes against him. Mm-hmm. And you watch it kind of poison his relationship. Yeah. yeah. So that You know, I thought I thought it was an extraordinary film. Like it kind of snuck up on me, like I was like, I was like, yeah, I like it. This is good. But then by the end, I really was fully
0: invested in this story. Oh man, that it told. I was just like you just said, how it poisoned his relationship. And I'm thinking, like, if this film had had some big inciting moment. Mm -hmm. event like you said like a lynching or 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 he him getting even beaten up at his job there's a couple opportunities where it looks like something's going to happen like on the road when he's dealing with some white some white knuckleheads um but it it really is just about the intensity and the, the atmosphere that that creates um but if it if something like that had happened it would be easy for the character and for the writer to um have that character now just mad at whoever did this. Right. At the perpetrators of this. Right. And then just being full full blown to enact some type of vengeance in whatever way. Right. Right. But because it is just the structure and the system that is just like constantly having its foot on his neck when all he wants to do is just straighten his neck and just stand a little straight and right just, just live yeah just live you that's just really live. All he wants to do yeah that's all he wants to do and and he has his wife Josie who is you know in his eyes scared but she's not scared she's not scared at all she is just she is like no they can't touch you on the inside right they can't touch you on the inside they it's only only if you let them only if you let them will they will they do that. And at an increasing moment, despite his demeanor, they keep reaching closer and closer to the inside. Yeah. Oh until, yeah. Until when they do reach inside, now his anger is not at them. His anger is at himself, and not being able to you know, because he wants to be so self, self-sufficient. self Right, right. But he's unable to pull himself out of that. Right. And then, unfortunately, that anger gets enacted against his wife. Right. Because right. all she is doing lashes is trying to throat. help him, help him and, and build him up. And he lashes out at, at her in a violent moment. Not the most violent moment, thankfully. No, no, no. But no. it is a violent moment. And while it's not the 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 biggest craziest violence it hit me hard yeah it hit me i was like yo ooh, yeah oh dude yeah oh man i mean like i really felt yeah like that was just like oh dude and and i felt for her just it uh, it was
1: just i mean it was terrible it, it was, was terrible because you know he's lashing out but he's la- like you said he's lashing out against her and and it, it, it's 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 part of another pattern that you kind of see. Like like it, I think you're right that this is a man's story, mm-hmm. but there's almost this parallel shadow story about the women in these men's lives. True, and how they you, yeah, are, yeah. You, you know, how they kind of navigate their relationships with these wounded men. Yeah, yeah, and again. All of it is structural. Like all of it is, all of it is everyone trying to to maintain some type of something mm-hmm. in this this kind of predatory system. So that you, you know, whether you're talking about his father and the woman that he lives with, whether you're talking about the sort of unnamed woman who is tasked with taking care of his son.
0: Oh yeah, after right
1: after you know, whether you're talking about the the woman who was you know basically the town prostitute mm-hmm. and she has a kind of deal with these traveling men where you know his friend actually says it was so sad to me like she says business is bad and and one of one of Duff's friends says yeah it's tough when other women are giving it away for free right and it's like she's just sort of looking for some 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 affection mm-hmm. from someone mm-hmm. and all of this again in this world that You know, I'm sure some of the white men in this film were in the Ku Klux Klan. Like, I'm sure some of them were just sort of. You mean the characters? The characters. So the characters were in the Ku Klux Klan. But these are very ordinary white men. Like you said, there are a couple of jerks in the car. Mm -hmm. But I think this was, I think the, the film really kind of. Positions these men as Regular white men in this World exactly but by being a Regular white man in this world You practice again This sort of This sort of Relentless racism Mm -hmm. You know again Nobody is raped There are no cross burnings There is nothing but it Is relentless Yeah. And I think, you you know, one of, the, one of the best things that the film does is it, A, shows you the toll that it takes mm-hmm. on these men. But, B, it kind of explains why a lot of men opt out. Yep. And say, I'm not going to do that. Like Like, you talked about the brotherhood. With the men on the railroad, and and to me, like the most beautiful scene in the film, like the the most purely beautiful scene where you have people as close to happy as you can. There is a sequence where the men on the railroad are out in the woods. Oh yeah, and they're hunting a rabbit. Yeah, and and they work as a team. Like you talked, like you said, I think you're right. There there are no railroad songs. There's none of this sort of classic movie stuff where you see the men on the railroad. But when they're hunting this rabbit, they are working as a team. Yes, they are. And you can tell that they know each other and they know what to do and they, they catch this rabbit and then the scene cuts to the rabbit being cooked over an open fire in a yep. cast, iron, um, cast skillet. iron skillet and the men are just in this sort of field and Yafet Koto was sitting on the wall looking at some water with grass in his mouth and it's a quick scene but it tells you this is the alternative mm-hmm. to quote unquote settling down, yeah, and it makes perfect sense it does like you completely like these men aren't trifling, these men aren't you know, I just don't want to get married, but this is as
0: close to freedom as they can get in this world, you know what you know what it that reminded me that scene because I was with you, I felt the freedom that they felt right there, right, and and uh, because of one, they were they were free to just have that moment, right? To be about themselves, you know, out there having fun, being almost like children again. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have to worry about anybody coming in and and like telling like, come on, it's time to get back to work because they do their job. Mm-hmm. They do their job. They don't mind doing their job because they know their job is going to pay them well. They're in their mind. They're traveling the world. They're carefree. They're living in life. Um, all is great. It reminded me of uh, Sidney Poitier's character in what was it, Paris, Paris Blues, Paris Blues? Yeah, yeah. Because he, when faced with the prospect of coming back to America, was like, "Why? Right? I'm good right here,
1: and everything that comes with it. If I go back."
0: exactly yeah and, and and that is exactly what they are telling duff when when once when D- they find out that duff is seeing the, the preacher's wife they right, like right. The, the preacher's daughter right, right. they're so like a teacher <laughs> he's gonna do it for a teacher he's gonna do it a teacher dog <laughs> and yafakuda's like just get a drunk you know um but then when they find out that he's gonna marry marry her they're like dude are you serious yeah because you know what this means, yeah. You ain't going to get a job. It's going to pay you no more than twenty dollars a right. week, maybe.
1: And you have to live here now. And you
0: got to you got to live here. Have but you, you know, know what I love? Wedding?
1: They still his dudes. Though. They still his dudes. They are still the his one dudes. dude who was
0: popping the most. Yang is the best, is man, the at best his, man at best his man at the wedding. wedding. I love. That. I did love that. Yeah, I did because that shocked me. I yeah. was like. Look at them and they and, they, and they're there, yeah. they stand up, they like basically like the only dude you know like that's his whole his whole family right, that's his family right there and right they for his boys. they still go see him,
1: you well, know these are free men, these are free men practicing their freedom as opposed to the men who have been co-opted mm-hmm. for you know good reasons I mean, reasons you know one thing that um Abby Lincoln's father says to him at one point because he's a preacher and he asks Duff, do you go to church? and Duff says no I don't go to church and he says if you lived in a town like this you would find use for church yeah i mean these men aren't you know like i didn't have scorn for these men i had pity for these men cuz they are stuck in you know they they're they're in this town they have families mm-hmm. they've been beaten down and broken mm-hmm. so of course one of the men is going to go back and say that Duff is a troublemaker
0: i had scorn for that guy <laughs> But the reason why I had scorn for that guy is because one, yes, I knew one of them was, was going to be, be the one that opened. It's always that, a yeah. snitch, and he's the one that had like the little wry smile on his face. Right, right, you know right, I mean? right, right. But I also remember, flashing forward, that he was a jerk on an episode of I think Good Times. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know the character, the actor's name. I, I think he's James's father, isn't he? I think, so. yeah. I think so. I think so. And he and he jerks him over yeah. there. You know who
1: else he is? Who you want to talk about? He is. Remember the the dude who bullied little Kevin Hooks in the Learning Tree? Oh wow! He's the bully's father in the Learning Tree. Wow! So he's he always plays a jerk. A jerk. Yeah. 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 He's got jerk. I didn't know. like him either. <laughs> I didn't like, but I didn't like him because of the learning tree. I said, "Oh, that's that little dude's father in the learning tree."
0: Get up on your seventies TV, ladies and gentlemen, because I know people like learning. Learning, what's the learning tree? We
1: actually got to do the learning tree.
0: See, what, but the, was the learning tree? I seem to remember later. that being a TV movie. I don't think it was a feature was the film. Was learning tree a TV I think movie? it was a TV movie. I did, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good yeah. <laughs> we'll
1: find. But yeah, out. you had scorn for him.
0: Oh, yeah. I had big time scorn yeah. for him. Oh, yes, I wanted him to die. But um <laughs> I so I so did. Um this uh it was very interesting to see, to see Ivan Dixon in, in this film. Mhm. Because outside of Who gets heroes, right? And knowing that he was the director of, you know, Spook. The only other thing I really knew of Ivan Dixon is his role in Car Wash, and like in Car Wash, he's a lot. He's a little older. I was about to say I barely even connect him. Yeah, you know, he's he's kind of older. He's the one that's kind of like talking down uh, Bill Duke's character in Mm -hmm. that film and stuff like that. Um but he always struck me especially in uh Hogan's heroes as someone who is on Hogan's heroes because I I I need a job right absolutely but i i'm of i know that i'm i'm better than this right um which once you learn about his career you learn that he he in fact was because he was while he was doing that he was putting his money towards the civil rights movement at that time oh yeah yeah and absolutely and doing a lot of um like independent Independent stuff. So he was certainly of a higher, higher mind. Um, but seeing him in this film uh, really made me appreciate the actor, Ivan Dixon.
1: So quiet, so quiet, and so sort of cerebral, and
0: because yeah. he's so cerebral and he is, it's smartly playing this role. In that, for a lot of the film, and it, and it definitely is an art the get into the film he's almost bemused by everything he's he's coming across whether yeah. it be with with you know the, the his his buddies on the railroad to even dealing with Josie and um some of the naivete or what he seems views as naivete on her part um and even even when he is confronted about you know uh possibly trying to start a union on his second job at the sawmill and realizing that the guys turn you know, like donned him out, he almost has a bemused look on his face like Really? Yeah? yeah. Like okay. Okay. But 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 that bemusement is is so smartly um, played in the beginning because you can see where it makes the transition to just an intense in, inner anger, yeah, um, and then uh, and a self loathing of a bit, um, and a recrimination of some of his actions, uh, especially once he revisits his father near the end of the film, yeah, um, and how that all plays out. It it really is just a very smart performance,
1: yeah. Throughout this film, and it's surrounded by them.
0: Yes, it's surrounded a lot. Like it is,
1: like as smart as as and sort of multifaceted as Ivan Dixon is. Abby Lincoln is right there with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Julius Lester as his father is is magnificent yeah and you know he's Julius Harris I'm sorry Julius Harris and he's another one like like we just talked about um the man at the mill and in his you know Julius Harris is just one of these great character
0: actors that Mm -hmm. pops up throughout the 70s um and this was his acting debut did you know this I did not know this was his debut not only was this his acting debut and and mind you he's playing Ivan Dixon's father so he's an older guy yeah um According to Wikipedia, he made his acting debut playing Duff's father. He was at the time that he was cast, he was a male nurse that okay. had always wanted to act.
1: Well, he's fantastic. And then this. think
0: about the, all the work that he does after Right, that. right,
1: right. My my favorite, of course, being in uptown. No, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Because he he works for Kansas City Mac. Yep. Yeah. But um he's fantastic. Yafet Koto maybe has three lines in the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. He's amazing. He is. He is amazing in those and you see everything going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like Ivan Dixon's um performance. All of these all everything going on right underneath the surface.
0: Yeah. It's a very, it's a very it's a very um uh, a mannered performance by koto, which is not always what you get Later in, his, right, in right, his career. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, Gloria Foster yeah. as
1: his father's lady has this like I don't even know how she pulls it off, but it's matronly, but there's sort of I I mean, maybe this was Mari. Did you read this vein of sexuality?
0: Let me tell you something. in her perfor- in her performance with Duff. Let me tell you something. If near the end of the film, I won't kind of give away what happens. But near the end of the film, when you see the two of them walking off, yes. If if you had not told me that they were going to just walk off into the sunset in this film, I would have I would have been like, well, when sense. they dance together, not even when they dance, when they're just sitting there at the bar. And I think that's deliberate.
1: I think you you know again back to you, you know we're talking about the men's challenges, but I think. Women had to make these decisions, yeah. and they had to make them fat. They had to make hard decisions, and they, they may had to make fast. them. Fat. And she says, "At I mean, she says it at the end. I just don't like empty rooms. Empty rooms in a house, and it's all there. Yeah, you know, it's not
0: explicit, not overt, or anything it's like not that. overt. It's not even stated. No, it's not even necessarily. But her performance, it's all of it." Something right there. in the way she looks.
1: Other thing I wanted to make sure I, I didn't lose. You know, we were talking about these performances and talking about the, the, the sort of storyline and the setting, which I think are ultimately the most important. But, and so, you know, Michael Romer directed this, and he also co-wrote it with, uh, with Robert, Young. Robert Young, who was the cinematographer. Yeah. And you can tell. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is a really well shot Film and oh. well lit and well like everything about this film. I mean, you have these wonderful establishing shots, and you get this great sense of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I noticed several times that sort of the use of darkness.
0: Oh yeah, where
1: the 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 few lights that are on, whether they're outside, whether they're inside, or whether headlights, it, whether it's headlights, where you can tell that the lights are. Barely holding the darkness at bay. Yeah, and it's very much just a, a visual metaphor mm-hmm. of what these people are going through, mm-hmm. and and there are so many shots like that, yeah. and you know these sort of long shots, you know these sort of oblique, not oblique, but kind of weirdly angled shots mm-hmm. of people's faces to show mm-hmm. kind of you know it actually reminded me a bit of um what was our film with max julian and um
0: oh uh, uptown
1: uptight uptight yeah uptight like like i got i got got a a bit of uptight yeah in this yeah and and but this is black and white so you have a different set of tools and arguably less tools yeah and arguably more tools arguably more arguably more tools yeah but it's just a beautifully shot film and a beautifully directed, and it's something you said at the very beginning: the confidence mm-hmm. in in these filmmakers and really everyone involved. Yeah, just sort of it's it's this really kind of um, understated but muscular film, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. because everybody is is almost flexing mm-hmm. what they do, mm-hmm. and it,
0: it it really is a great film. There were two scenes, there's two scenes that really stand out to me as far as the direction and the cinematography. There's a scene where, um, and, and you, you're right, there's a whole lot of beautiful establishing shots. There's an establishing shot of like a, a, a dolly shot of going through the town of, I think it's a bus. Uh, you see a schoolyard. Yeah, I think you see a schoolyard, kids are at play. And then you see the bus go by and it's obviously the school bus and the school bus goes by and you, you roll along with the school bus until it goes out of the shot to reveal Duff and Josie uh, far away talking together on a swing. Yeah. That's well done. And then it cuts to them on the swing and Josie is swinging in a tight close up in and out of the camera, yeah, but they're having the conversation together, and you never miss it. It's yeah. such a playful, a romantic, sweet conversation. So well done, so 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 well structured and choreographed. It is just, I I just melted, and I seen it. it's like, wow, this is this is so good. And then there's another scene closer to the end where Duff is um, driving along with his. Um, with his son, He's just got he just picked up his son, and he's driving. And you see the road as he's you see the, the 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 um the tree line as he's driving, and driving along, and the sun is starting to break in between the trees as it drives yeah. along. And then as it keeps going, the trees become less and less and less until it becomes all sun. And that basically propels you to the end of the film. Right. But that was just a, a beautiful way of just showing that, uh, giving you a window into what his mindset was. Because when you do see the sun, then it circles into the car Um. From the back, looking at Duff driving and him looking down at his son asleep on the on the car seat.
1: Yeah, it was so well done. And again, there are shots after shots. Like you know, I talked about the one where they were they went hunting together. But you know, again, the the early on, especially Duff has this wildness in him because Mm -hmm. he's on the frontier. And and you know, there is a scene where two sort of white locals come to the car where he's in the car and the whole scene, you know, there are tight shots on Duff's face and on the white men's faces and then when it's over, he tells um, Josie, you know, there could have been trouble and she says, you know, well, I would have kept you out of trouble and he says to her, he laughs and says, well, I'm not a child and basically, you know, you can't tell me anything and the camera pulls back very quickly and you see he has a knife out. Yep. And then the car drives away and it happens in a second. As the car drives out, there's a bullet hole in the back window. So that lets you know Duff 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 is a different person right now. Like this mm-hmm. is this is you know, again, Duff is not going to handle these men like the men in town because Duff has that wildness in him. Yeah. And it's very quick. You can miss it. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things like that and again it, it it speaks to the thoughtfulness of the script and of the cinematography and of the acting and everything um
0: yeah yeah good stuff this was this was a, this, this a, good, is film. a good pick this is a good pick and this is a this is a film the uh, much like uptight which you brought up earlier that so many people don't know about right but that deserves to be not just revisited just for enjoyment this is a film this is a film that needs to be studied this yeah. is a type, these are films yeah. that need to be studied for uh for true uh um authentic portrayals of uh, uh, uh time capsules yeah of those times
1: and also again you know again we talked about it at the beginning i think I think it is so instructive Mm -hmm. about the decisions that men and particularly poor black men Mm -hmm. have made and continue to make. Yeah. And it kind of, you you know, because I I think, you know, many of us, some of us have gotten to a position where we don't have to deal with this sort of, again, kind of day to day abuse you know these microaggressions but there are a lot of men who this is more reflective of their lives Mm -hmm. than not and there are a lot of women who live with or deal with men who are dealing with this and I just think this is uh, it it, it really illuminated I thought a lot of things in ways that I have very rarely dare I say I have never seen on film yeah. Because again, when we talk about film and we talk about racism in the South and the 60s, it's always something very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And sort of the definition of dramatic is that it doesn't happen that much. Like, everybody didn't get lynched. Yeah. Like, you know, you know about the people that got lynched and we honor them and we talk about them, but that one, like, it was like 30,000 other people in the town. But this is what they dealt with yeah. every day. And again, it kind of informs the decisions they, you know, I always say, I think the most insidious part of racism, when we talk about this kind of stuff is that it forces ordinary people to make extraordinary choices. Yeah. Like for me to stay in town and be a husband and be a father and go to work, which like we said, should just be a regular thing because of this, world that i live in that is now an extraordinary decision.
0: Right. So exactly. we talk about yeah. oh
1: you're a father yeah. to your child and you're a husband and you go to work and it's like that should just be regular
0: stuff. Exactly.
1: But it can't be regular stuff because of the way that my life is. Right. So it's a great movie and and it's a very entertaining movie. Oh yeah. You know i think it oftentimes is. these quote unquote important films and, and i'll this is what you say all the time it's like homework Mm-hmm. Like it's like oh god I guess I got to watch it but it's it, it really is a good film
0: and it's a good film it, it really and is it, it, it takes you and how brave is, is it for like the last line of the film to be like you know it, uh, it and I may be paraphrasing um, it it's uh, it ain't gonna be easy but we're gonna be alright
1: but we're gonna be alright and you know the implication is maybe but we'll see but we
0: remain hopeful we do. We do. You should go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing but a man. Um, It's available on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Again, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, yeah. it's one of those films where the whole thing is available on it's, um,
1: It's on DVD. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray, but I, I'm...
0: Yeah, because it was I'm, reissued. Yeah, I'm
1: DVD, 80, 90% sure it's on it Blu-ray, because it was reissued in, what, 2012? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because, again, it's a film that comes up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always on those lists. It is. It's so, a film
0: that is highly regarded by uh, a lot of um, noted um uh, film critics, including Roger Ebert, yes, um, before yes. his passing. So, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth your time. It it's, is. It's, it is it's worth, not homework. It's definitely worth. It's so. definitely worth your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Michelle Mission. All right. Um, do we know? What, what? Yeah, yeah, my, I'm, I'm up. Dear white people.
1: Dear white people. Let's go ahead and do dear white people. All right, Tessa Thompson mm. coming out in Thor, and 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 the series Dear White People is coming on Netflix. I think in a few months. Mm. Let's
0: go ahead and watch it. Now I'm just gonna sit here on Tessa Thompson for a little bit. You just,
1: <laughs> I like Tessa Thompson too. I do too. I like. I, I, I mean, not like that. I mean, like that. But but also, I, I actually think she's. I think she is one of the brighter young actresses. She is. Like in her generation. Like like I like Tessa Thompson a lot. So I'm actually looking forward to this. This is the one of the few Tessa Thompson performances I haven't seen.
0: Oh. Ironically enough, and this is her big one. All so, right. okay. so yeah dear white people Dear white people next week All on right. The Michelle Mission ladies and gentlemen Which you can check out each And every week on iTunes SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play And every place that good podcasts be As well as on the CLSN uh, Podcast Network And as a radio show. That's right. It's available as a radio show on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on WPPM LP 106.5 FM, People Powered Media, Philly Cam Radio, Philadelphia and Camden, right here in the city of brotherly love. All right. Um, You can email us with your responses at. Michelle Mission at gmail.com. Leave us a message or a quote or what have you on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook at uh, Michelle Mission. Follow us on Twitter at Mission Michelle. And uh, also on, on Instagram at uh, Michelle Mission as well. And don't forget to. Hit us up. Hashtag Vince in Europe and let us know where are the hot record stores, comic book shops, and bookstores and sneaker parlors in Paris, London and Rome for Vince's uh, Europe vacation which will be coming soon. Okie dokie. I'm Len. He's Vince. In Parting we say we'll see you on this time and with again.